Good morning everyone. If you haven't met me, my name's Stuart. I'm the leader of the church. A very warm welcome to you. Um, let me explain what we're going to be doing um, today while the kids are out. Is We're actually taking a break from our series on John. We've been preaching through the book of John since January. We've got to the end of chapter 6. Taking a one-week break. What I want to do today is just to do a review. I try and do this three times a year. Recap uh, where we come from as a church remind us where we're going and some of the goals and things that um, we've got kind of planned for this year and what we're hoping and praying by the grace of God uh, will come about. If I project back to August 2010, uh, that was when my wife and I and our seven-month-old little boy moved to Sutton Coalfield. We had uh, a sense of call that God wanted us to start a church as part of our family of churches. We're part of New Frontiers and we felt called to move to Sutton Coldfield here. We had a t- at the time, we had a team of eight adults and a child who had kind of committed. The child didn't really commit, he was stuck with us. But the eight adults, including myself and my wife, were committed to move here uh, on hearing God's voice and start something um, for his glory. So we arrived, and over the next term, the others in the team arrived. And then January 2011, we had our first meeting in a little community hall over on the other side of town, near actually where we were living at the time, which was kind of one room, and we basically started meeting as a real-life church, and that's sort of how it began. Um, and it was one of those kind of weird uh, moments where you take a step out of faith in God and say, God, what are you going to do with us? We feel you've spoken. We're responding by faith um, to what you're calling us to doing. And now it's like, it's time for you, God, to kind of come through on your end of the bargain and birth something here. And since then, we have continued to meet, we have continued to grow. God has um, added to us numerically. We're now on our third venue. We grew out of that um, hall very quickly, namely because there was no other room. It was one room, and some people arrived after about our second week who had children. Suddenly, our children multiplied that we had in the room, and they were all really small. And if you imagine doing what I'm doing now in a room about the quarter of the size with a lower ceiling and four or five mobile two and three year olds, it's quite a challenge. Um, so we thought we need to get out there so we can have a room for the kids, a room uh, for them to be active in. So we moved venue, we met up at the girls school uh, just up at the centre of town. We met there for a year, we continued to grow, continued, continued to add to us and then we moved here about a year after that and we've been here ever since um, by the grace of God. We've been added to numerically. We've actually had our highest number as we've gone over 70 um, in one week, so we've gone from 8 to 70 in a few years. God has been very good uh, to us. So that's sort of a little bit about what, where we've got to now. I just want to remind us of a few. First thing is um, what we're about as a church. What we're about as a church. Some of you have been here a while, you will know this, but I want to remind us so we keep it in the front of our thinking. Things, sometimes if you're not reminded regularly, it kind of drifts to the back of your mind and then sometimes then it can even go out the back. You just forget about it because it's not been constantly put in front of you. And I want to put things in front of you again today. Our purpose over here, what we're about, what we think God has called us to, we believe real life, number one, is about having a relationship with Jesus. That's where it begins. We believe the fundamental, the core to having life on this earth is having a relationship with God. And God has been revealed to us through Christ, God the Son, who came to earth, lived the perfect life, died a death that we should have died on the cross, rose from death victorious, ascended to heaven, and now rules and reigns. And one day we'll return to judge all mankind. And we believe the fundamental, the key, is having a relationship with him. That's what it means to be a Christian, to have a relationship with Jesus. That's where it begins. That's what we're about. And if you stripped everything away in this church, 
all, all the activities we do, all the, the meetings we hold, all the things we kind of put our energy into and said, what's your one thing? It's all about having a relationship with Jesus, a personal, intimate, ever-growing, ever-deepening relationship with him. We develop that through prayer, we develop that through the study of God's word, the Bible, through relationship with other believers that bring out facets of God's character, help us grow as we live in community, we believe all those things. But it comes back to the core, you have a relationship with Jesus, that's where it starts and that's what we keep banging on about, what I keep telling you about, have a relationship with Jesus. What's that? What does that kind of then lead to? Well it says... Before that, we want to follow the example of Jesus. We want to follow his model. We want to be like him. We have a relationship with him. The Bible calls this process sanctification. We become more and more like him as we go through life. We look at Jesus, we, we study him. It's why we're looking at particularly the Gospel of John this year. Look at what Jesus did, what he said, how he acted, what he taught. How does this apply to us? We want to follow his model. We want to work that out in every aspect of our life. Is how do we act like Jesus? How do we become more like him? How do we deal with this in how we work, where we work? We did a series last year. Thank God it's Monday, nine weeks, on looking how it affects our work in the broadest sense. How does it affect our family? How does it affect our relationships, our marriages, our parenting of our children? All these things. How we deal with life and the culture and living in this city. We want to look at what Jesus did, how Jesus acted, and learn from that. And then hopefully the result of that is that we would change the world with Jesus, or change our world at least, the little bit that we're a part of, that we would have some influence on it. Influence on it. I remember, I realised as we're studying John, the bit that always seems to get me is wherever Jesus went, and whatever he did, and whatever he taught, and whatever environment he was in, he had some effect on it. He didn't walk in and walk out, and no one was changed. He walked in, and people were changed forever. Think about things um, when he met Zacchaeus, who was hiding up the tree. That man who was a, a thief, a scoundrel, a liar. And Jesus said, I'm coming to your house for lunch. And from that moment, Zacchaeus was changed forever. Forever. When he called the disciples, you, you, come follow me. Our lives were changed forever. These men, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, Lazarus come forth. He was dead. He's alive. He's changed Forever. Is Lazarus. Jesus had that effect, and that's something that we're about as a church. So hopefully, the work, our relationship with Jesus, us following his model, has a transform effect on the world around us and those we, we hit and those who we touch. And so, boil it down to we want you guys to have a relationship with Jesus. We want to be a church that has a relationship with Jesus, but that has an outworking, ongoing effect. Then, what kind of church has God called us to? Well, over here we've written this is what we felt God speak to us right at the beginning. We felt God calls us to be a large, influential, reproducing church. And as we began this church, as I began to pray about it, we talked with my wife, Mel, and we started having a team that God brought to us, men and women who said, we want to come and be part, and as that's grown and grown, this is what I have conviction before him, what he said to us. But if you look at it in, kind of, in our own strength and who we are, it's absolutely terrifying, and it's actually quite ridiculous when you look at what's written on there and look at who's in this room, especially when I, I first shared this with the group and there was eight of us and my son Levi, it was like, right guys, <laughs> this is what God called us to. And you could almost snigger at the ridiculousness of it. But I am convinced that's what God has called us to and that's where we're going as a church. So let's just, I want to just go through these and convince these are biblical things and what God would have for his people in a general sense. Number one, I think God's called us to be a large church. I think that's what goes to, to numerically grow and grow and grow. And the reason I'm convinced of this is I read it in the Bible. If we go back to the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
it says, and then in that creation he put man, Adam and he put Eve, he put mankind in there, and he gave them a command. And what was the first command he gave to Adam and Eve? Multiply. Multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So it began with multiplying, become more, basically he said to them. Become more, I want more of you. Two of you is not enough. I want it to grow and grow and grow and grow. And I want there to be more people who are my people than have relationship with me, God said. And then we follow the story of Genesis through. It goes wrong, we know we have sin. Enters the world, there's the, the flood, there's the Tower of Babel, there's all these things going on. And then God, in Genesis 12, picks a man out, Abraham. And he says to Abraham, right, come here Abraham, I want to show you something. Look at the stars in the sky, look at the sand on the ground. Your descendants are going to be like that. I am going to multiply you. I am going to take you and I'm going to make you like that. Which when you look to it, if you read the account, it's, it's ridiculous because Abraham was very old and he was married to a woman who was also very old and it said the woman couldn't even have children. She was barren. It said they had no children. They had no heirs. But God says, I'm going to, through you, I'm going to multiply you and I'm going to bless everybody on this planet through you. And if you follow the story through, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make your offspring great. And then we have, he have, finally has a son, Isaac, um, who then God then asked him to sacrifice. And there's a story there. And then God says, no. Um, and through that son, we have the multiplying of God's people. Uh, Isaac has a son, Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. Uh, one of them being Joseph, probably the most well-known. Joseph in his dream coat. We have the story through the back end of Genesis, going to Egypt, coming back. They all end up in Egypt by the end. Um, the whole family, Jacob and his family, Joseph and his brothers, and they end up in Egypt. Then we skip forward into the book of Exodus. That family then has multiplied to a nation. It says that, the, well, depending on which commentary you read, and maybe a million of them. They've multiplied over a few hundred years to this mighty nation, but this nation are in captivity under Pharaoh. So God sends a delivery, sends Moses, go to Pharaoh, let my people go. We have the events uh, of the Prince of Egypt or the Ten Commandments, depending on which film you've read, and we have the people of God come out of Egypt as a nation. God says, I want you to come and worship me on the mountain. So he's redeemed his people, brought them out of slavery, and they're there in the wilderness. He said, I'm going to take you to that promised land, the land where Abraham stood. I'm going to take you there, and you're going to be my people. And so we have the conquest of the land, and they settle, and we have the nation of Israel. You have the time of the judges, you have the time of the kings. It all kind of starts to go wrong, sin gets involved. They get um, taken off into exile. The little kingdom splits. They get taken off into exile. They eventually come back. But there's always this promise of God saying, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. And I will, I will multiply you. And the promises that come in, the prophetic promises that come into the nation from prophet Isaiah say, it's actually not just for you as a nation. There is a wider application. Isaiah 2.2 2 says, the mountain of the Lord will become the chief among the mountains and the nations of the world will stream to it. So even then, God is saying, you're my people and I want you to grow, but actually I've got, I've got a view beyond. I'm going beyond what I can see here. It's not just this ethnic group of Jews. It's actually the nations of the whole world are going to come in one day. And then we fast forward again. We have the, um, the intertestamental period. Then we have the beginning of the New Testament. John the Baptist comes along. There's one coming. There's one coming. This Messiah who's been promised, he's going to come. Jesus himself then turns up. He leads that life. He, he takes 20... 12 men, he trains them as leaders, he, he, he lives his life, he dies his death, 
Um, he's raised from the dead. He ascends to heaven. And he, he appears again to his church that he's gathered. And he said to them, Go to all the nations of the world and proclaim what I have taught you. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But you ought to go everywhere. It's breaking out of this little area of Israel, this kind of bit of the world. It's going to go everywhere. And as we read forward, you go through the book of Acts. And you, hear, you see phrase after phrase after phrase after phrase where it says, the church of God multiplied. They were added to. The first sermon at Pentecost, Peter preaches, 3,000 added. That was a really good sermon. He had a crowd, he preaches, 3,000 added to the church. That must have caused them some logistical issues. How do we get all these guys in small groups? Well, that would be one of the first questions. How are we going to baptise them all? But they all get added into the church and the church continues to multiply and multiply and you read the stories of, of Peter preaching the gospel and it breaks into the Gentiles and non-Jews and then Paul comes along and God says to Paul, you're going to be my one I'm going to send to the nations. And Paul plants church after church after church after church. And eventually he reaches Rome, kind of the centre of the known world at the end of Acts. And it's like the gospel has gone out across the empire from its beginnings in this sort of Jewish part of the world to the nations of the world and you read church history and it's just gone on and on and on all around the world and then you find the letters that Paul wrote to some of these churches and you go to Galatians and you find this staggering thing Paul's right he says by faith he's talking about all believers by faith you are heirs to the promise that was given to Abraham when Abraham looked up at the sky and saw the stars By faith in Christ, you're one of them. So this great nation, this offspring that God was going to give to Abraham wasn't just an ethnic one. There was actually one that we are all involved in by faith. If you're a believer, you have faith in Christ, you're part of that. So you can see what God said to Abraham there is even working out now today. As people become believers, the church grows, the gospel message goes forth. That promise is being fulfilled time and time again. And so I'm convinced that the church of Jesus Christ is to grow and multiply more and more and more. Because when you look at the end of the book, you, you, if you want to know kind of what's going to happen, I don't know if you're one of those people who likes to read the end of the story first, just to check where this is going. Who's going to survive? What's going to happen? Who done it? Before you actually read it. If you, you can do that in the Bible because you just go and read Revelation. You find, okay, it's going to be all right in the end. And you go there and it says there's a scene that John sees in heaven. And it says there is a throne... And there is one on the throne, like a lamb who has been slain. A picture of Jesus. And it says, round the throne, there is a multitude. A multitude who cannot be numbered. Who are worshipping the lamb on the throne. There's a picture of all the Christians, all the saints of the Old Testament who have come together and they are worshipping Jesus. And the bit that always gets me is the bit that can't be numbered. So I always think, if you can number them, there's not enough. If you can number them, there aren't enough. There needs to be more. We need to add more. We need to see more people come and know Jesus. And it's something that God has spoken to us about as a church. He's spoken to us, myself personally, mentally, personally, when people have prophesied over us years ago, some of this stuff. Years and years, ten years ago. Last, last century. You know, that really dates some of this stuff. I looked up some of the words and some of them had 1997 I'm thinking, well, that was last century. But God's word is standing and he's saying that you're going to 
grow and multiply as, my ch- as a church. And I am, I am convinced of that. And, uh, and if you want to bottom line it, I think Jesus is worth getting to know and I want as many people as possible to have that opportunity. And so I think that's what God has called us to, to be a church, to proclaim the good news of Jesus as much and as often as we can and see as many people who would have it come to know Jesus and become Christians. All right, the second thing. God has called us to be a large church. I think God has called us to be an influential church. Um, If we go through the the Old Testament, uh, there are many, many men and women that God uses to be influential for his kingdom. You read the stories um, of what they do, and God puts them in positions of authority and power, and they're suddenly influencing the course of history for God's people. You hear about Joseph, we've mentioned, becomes prime minister of Egypt. He goes from the prison to the palace in a matter of moments it seems and suddenly he's the prime minister of Egypt the most powerful nation on earth second only to Pharaoh and because of his kind of actions how God used him he literally saves the world in terms of the, the production of grain and even saves his family the ones who sold him into slavery we've got Daniel who was an advisor uh, in pagan Babylon and because of his actions and his um, sort of influence the pagan king ends up praising the God of Israel. We see Queen Esther in Persia, who by her actions saved the Jews. God used her to actually save her people. Nehemiah, who was a cupbearer to the, the king of Persia, God used him to rebuild Jerusalem after it had been destroyed and build, rebuild the walls and rebuild the temple and make Jerusalem great. We fast forward to the New Testament and we see Jesus' key teaching on this when he says, you are going to be like salt and light. The salt that brings out the flavour, the taste of light, a light that, that can't be hidden. You put a light out and everyone sees it. And I think God has called us to be influential in whatever sphere of life he's put you in. It's no accident where you go to work, where you live, who your friends and neighbours are, who you have regular contact with, who you hang out with, who you bump into, all these things. Who's next to you in the desk or the cubicle opposite you is no... no um, no, no, no sort of accident. You're there for a reason and God has, wants to use you to be influential for his kingdom. A key verse um, for us as a church, and this is in Jeremiah, I'll read it to you. Jeremiah 29, verses 5 to 7. This is um, a prophetic word from Jeremiah to the, the people of God while they are in exile. They've been in Jerusalem. Jerusalem has been destroyed by the Babylon Empire. They've been carted off to exile. So they're in this kind of what's going on with us and the prophet Jeremiah comes to them and says this, and I felt this before we kind of moved here, God spoke to me about this, and he said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent to exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. He says this to them, he says, Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there. And do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And I felt God spoke to me and the team as we were coming here, and actually, come here, put down roots, and and make this your home. I made a commitment to Mel before God, and I'll hold it as long as he says otherwise, but we've come here for the duration. We've come here to make this place our home. We've bought a house. We initially rented, we have now bought. So I've done the bit where it says buy a house, done that. Uh, we've had a child here. Our second, our youngest, Asher, was born in Good Hope, just over there, Good Hope Hospital. We've done that. I'm, I'm in the process. I've worked in the city. I've worked as part of it, teaching. 
And so I've kind of given uh, to the city in that way. I'm waiting for my sons to grow up before I give them in marriage. So that's a, that's a longer term one. Then after that, maybe they will have sons and daughters of their own. But I'm, I'm putting that out. Uh, we've got a school. Levi has a school. He's starting in September. He's going to school already. I was hopefully putting off that off for another few years, but that's what happened. And we are seeking to bless this city and do good to it for the glory of God. That's what our heart is. And I felt that's what God has called us to a church. Whatever sphere of, uh, kind of your work is, whether you work in the business world or in education or in medical or in local government or you're raising children at home, whatever connection you have, whether it's in the arts or sport and recreation, I'd say to you, work at it with all your heart and with all your might to seek good to the city, to praise the name of Jesus because God created all these things and he wants Christians in there working and being a shining light in those places. And I believe God has called us to, when we meet together, we gather as a church, we receive teaching, but to then scatter as we go out through the week to be as influential as we can for his kingdom to show the grace, the love, the mercy and the goodness of God in every possible sphere of life we can walk in. Alright, the last one, reproducing. I believe God has called us to be a reproducing church. This is found throughout the Bible. God wants more and he wants it to be reproducing. If we look at Jesus, what was Jesus' commission to his disciples? He trained 12 men. He spent three years training these guys and then if you read, there's a kind of a wider group Round it, it involves some prominent women and others who are sort of part of his kind of team that followed him around, were with him. And he says to them uh, in Matthew 8, he says, Go, uh, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want more of you. I want to, you I've trained, but I want you then to go and train others. I want there to be more and more of you. I want to be reproducing. Even, um, in the face of persecution and difficulty, you, you see it happening after the death of Stephen. Um, I think it's Acts 7. They, the church is scattered, it says. Philip kind of leaves. But he suddenly meets this guy, the Ethiopian eunuch, who's studying the scroll of Isaiah. And actually he's like, I don't know what this bit means. And he reads out that bit in Isaiah 53 about the suffering servant. And Philip says, funny you should ask that. I know exactly what that means. And he, he explains to him about Jesus and Jesus' death and resurrection, the Ethiopian eunuch is saved, and then it says Philip is then like transported somewhere else, but the Ethiopian eunuch goes back on his way, and it turns out he's kind of quite a high official, going back to Ethiopia, bringing the good news of Jesus. There is a multiplication, there is a reproducing of what's happened, what's begun with disciples, carried on, people like Philip, and on and on and on. If you read um, in the book of Acts, you see multiplication, multiplication, reproducing, churches being planted uh, by Paul. If you read between Acts 13 and Acts 14, you see Paul visiting these places and planting churches in them. Uh, it starts in Cyprus, Perga, Antioch in Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, then returns to Antioch, which is a different Antioch to the other one. There are two, which it just makes things confusing. And they just retrace their steps, just plants churches one after the other, reproducing. If you go to 2 Timothy, you've got this classic verse all about training and reproducing yourself. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2 Timothy 2, 2. So that's sponsored by the letter T and the number 2. And it says, And what you've heard from me, this is Paul writing, in the presence of many witnesses, in trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So you've got Paul saying to Timothy, so Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others. So you've got four generations there saying, I've given it to you, Timothy, you entrust it to faithful men, they'll carry on and trust it to others. 
multiplication, reproducing. It's not just going to stay in one step. We want it to go on and on. And the picture that I mention whenever I talk about this for us, the church, is the picture of the strawberry plant, which you have mentioned, which is the official um, plant of Real Life Church. Um, we, on uh, a number of occasions, completely separate occasions, before we moved here, Melly and I were just in meetings, and, and people came up to us on three separate occasions, three separate people in three separate places, and basically said, you know, here you're going off and you're going to be involved in starting this church. And we're like, yeah. And he said, I feel, I want to tell you that God thinks, God says your church is going to be like a strawberry plant. And you're like, of all the things you could have picked, strawberry plant. I didn't know, I, know, I like strawberries, I like strawberry jam, I like strawberries on my scones with tons of cream, all this kind of stuff. I like them. But I don't actually know much about strawberry plants, I'm not a gardener, and so you kind of nod politely. Thank you. And then you leave, and then someone else does it somewhere else in another place. It's going to be a story plan. I think, okay, that's twice. Still not impressed. I'd rather have something, your church going to be like a tank, you know, or something like that, something like that, something much more interesting. But no, story plan. And then the third one came. We're there, and he says, well, church should be like a strawberry plant. I, thought, well, I better go and look up what a strawberry plant is and what it does. And the fascinating thing about a strawberry plant, so I've heard, is that you have a plant which bears fruit, which is great, but what happens is, as a plant grows, it sends out these things called runners, which are like little shoots, or I'm not a gardener, but you know, things, green things that come out. And what they do is they go along the ground, they trail along the ground, then they go into the ground and then they grow up and form another plant. So it's basically one plant becomes two. And then that plant, once it grows and produces, and it does it again. And what you can find, if you see wild strawberries, they look like a kind of a mass spider web of runners that have gone out and kind of created more plants that have borne more fruit. So they can, they can see this, they're kind of like a mash of just lots of plants that are all connected. And apparently, I think after a while, the, once this, the second plant has become kind of healthy and strong, the runner then can shrivel up, because you've got two. But then, then they turn out, they send out more runners. And once I got that, and I kind of understood that, I kind of had that moment of, okay, I think strawberry plants are pretty cool now. We can leave the tank. I'll go with the strawberry plant. And I just felt God say to I don't, what exactly that means, I don't know, but I feel God is going to call us to reproduce ourselves. We will be sending out runners and starting new works. I don't know if they're going to be in other churches we're going to plant. I don't know, but I'm, I'm loving this and I'm praying, God, do fulfill your word to us as a church to multiply us, cause us to grow, reproduce ourselves. I love it. We're in a city. The city of Birmingham is about a million people. When you take in the greater Birmingham or West Midlands conurbation, if you start pushing it out, which I think they kind of clock out about 45 minute drive in each direction where people kind of Birmingham becomes a central hub, you can push that number up to two, three, three and a half million people in this whole kind of area. I mean, it's really densely populated. And as far as I'm concerned, there aren't enough churches in that area. We need more churches preaching Jesus, reaching people, and I am committed to seeing what God is going to do with that. Whether it means planting more churches, I don't know, but I am I'm praying in faith, saying, God, do that amongst us. Wouldn't it be great that from just a tiny, small team, we have one, two, three, four, we can look at what God has done through us um, as a church. All right, what I want to look at now, have you got a, a thing on your table, that look, chair that looks like this? Can we grab this? Just want to go through this. At the beginning of the year, I outlined 12 steps for us. We had a 12-step program. 
for us to help us achieve that goal in 2014. And I laid it all out at the beginning of the year. If you missed it and you want to go back and review what I said about there, just go onto our website and find the 12 steps back in January. It'll be January the something, 5th, 6th, 7th. Find the sermon there and you'll see me um, outline them. And I just wanted to review them with us today and see how we're going, considering we're about a third of the way through the year. So there should be some level of progress on this. And the first one was our monthly prayer meeting, Church at Prayer, that we committed to do. We said we wanted, if we're going to see God move, we need to be a praying church. We pray every week in our small groups, uh, as part of our life groups, uh, but actually beyond that, we wanted to be a praying church and have a, uh, what's the word, a, an expression, corporate expression of it. So once a month, we close all our midweek meetings and we say, come together to pray. It's actually this Wednesday. Uh, there's a card on your chair with the details of that. We pray uh, at the URC church in town. We gather together and we seek the Lord. And I just want to commend this to you again. Please do not consider that week a, a week off life groups. <laughs> so we'll have just a week off and we'll stay at home, put our feet out. Come and pray. I would, I would submit to you that I think that's the most important meeting of the church calendar, the prayer meeting, where we pray and seek the Lord. It's not about us. It's all about him. And we come and we spend the time worshipping and then we bring our requests to God and recognise that he's the one who's going to do all this. We have a role to play, but behind that is the sovereign hand of God. And I believe prayer works. I believe prayer is important because we're told to pray. Jesus says, when you pray, he said. He didn't say if you pray. It's when you pray. Pray like this. And so I'd love us to commit that this Wednesday. Come, come amongst us. Details on your chairs. Um, come and pray with us. We've been doing that. It's been a cracking time. I've loved those meetings. I love going. I love standing with people. I love praying into things. And then I love seeing what God does as a result of our prayers. It's wonderful. Second one. We're going to study um, the Gospel of John together, which has been alluded to. Uh, we have we entitled it, Who is this man? We're looking at uh, the person of Jesus. We're going to try in the entire 2014 to hit the entire Gospel of John. And it's going so far. Going, good, going well so far, right? Six chapters, good nods. If anyone's like... Yeah. <laughs> yes, we've done six chapters. That means there's what? 14 left? 21 in John. Do the maths. There's... Um, we're going to be carrying on that next week. We're going to try and go through the whole thing. We've encouraged you to read um, the Gospel of John alongside it. If you've never read John, sit down and read it. Take it, kind of connect with what we're doing on a Sunday with your own personal times. Well, if you've read the, the Gospel of John once, we said read it again, read through it quickly, like several chapters a day, read through it slowly, take one chapter a day, read through it very carefully. Then I just said if you've done that, which is what I'm doing now, I'm about halfway through the Gospel doing this, that I take a little section each day, a paragraph or so, I read it, and I ask myself the question, who is this man? What can I learn about Jesus from this passage? And I just journal a bit. I write a couple of bits down. I pray into that. And so I'm trying to take time to go very slowly through the book of John, studying it while we're preaching it here. We, uh, in our life groups, we try and connect what we're preaching on a Sunday, so we kind of take something from the sermon, talk about it, pray into it. So we're being built up. We're growing. We're growing as disciples through that. So we've been studying the Gospel of John together. Hopefully, we'll get it all knocked off by Christmas-ish, or may, may roll into January. So... But that's good, I'm loving that and I'm glad you are too. Um, number three, we said we'd invite a prophet to visit us. We believe God speaks today. We believe everything is subject to his word, the Bible, so everything comes under that. But actually we believe God speaks today to us through other means. Uh, we have it here on a Sunday in a minute when we're going to worship. People will bring things they feel God's saying. We'll react to that. Um, we have people in the church like Melanie, uh, my wife, who has an extreme gift in this area, who regularly inputs to us. But I wanted to invite someone outside the situation to us as a church to speak into us, speak into individuals' lives, speak into a church, and just 
hopefully have a good time meeting God. And I've got um, a guy, a friend of mine I know, who's coming. And the date is the 23rd of September. Please put that date in your diary now. 23rd of September, we're going to have an evening meeting. You spend the day with me and Melanie. Then we'll come together. We'll have an evening meeting. Uh, venue to be confirmed. But put the date in your diary. If you've never been around someone with a, a large, a big prophetic gift, it will be an eye-opening experience. So please make sure you come to that. Um, it'll, you'll be changed for the better as a result. Number four, do Easter and Christmas bigger and better. We've done Easter. Christmas is coming. Uh, we did bun parties on Good Friday. I think we had five different bun parties where we just said invite some friends around your house, serve them hot cross buns and juice and just have fun on Good Friday morning. And it was a roaring success from what I hear. Five different venues, people had loads of friends and neighbours and colleagues who just came round and they just had fun together on Good Friday. It was just a great opportunity to hang out on a day when nearly everybody is off and get to know people. We had our Easter egg hunt on Easter Sunday, which unfortunately got rained off. Of all the days of the Easter weekend that was manky, it was the Sunday was horrible, but everyone else, every other day was glorious, which is just unfortunate. So we have, Ben and Sola have about 800 Easter eggs at their home that we're going to pick another date and we're going to run it again. And we need to do it soon or they're just going to eat the Easter eggs and get really fat and we don't want that. But I was around their house the other day and there's these bags in the corner that are just overflowing with eggs and they're saying, please, we need to get rid of these. Get these out of our home. They're too tempting. So we will, we will let you know when we have a date for that. But on the day when it was raining, I went down to the park to just try and catch anyone who had, who had kind of fallen through the net and not known it had been cancelled. And I met a couple of families who had come through some of the leaflets we'd put out to Homestar and others and had a lovely chat with them. And I gave them some eggs because had, I had some on me and said, look, really sorry. And I took their details and we'll be able to contact them when it comes. So those who invited friends and family, it worked. The word got out. People came. It was so sweet. One family turned up, a family of five. They had three little boys. And it was belting down with rain. And as I was walking into the park to go to where we were meeting, they all came hooded up and I overheard them talking to each other. Where do you think this Easter egg hunt is? I, I heard them and I said, look, sorry, it's, uh, it's been cancelled. Really. But the fact is they were there in the driving rain in waterproof saying, we're going, we want, it. We want chocolate. You know, we don't care. Just give it to So I really admired their, their commitment to it. But I ha- did have to say, look, sorry, we have to cancel it because of this, this manky weather. Um, Christmas is coming. We're going to do that bigger and better this year, uh, this year as well. Uh, watch the space for more info on that. Um, the next one, Music at Costa every term. Um, our Acoustic at Costa night was Friday. It was, our, it was technically our third, isn't it? Our second this year, our third. because We did Christmas at Costa first, where we had the Costa coffee just over there in the leisure centre. Um, and we had some of our super talented musicians, led by Dave over here, who just played some just acoustic sets, just some music. Um, first of all, we had a very Christmassy theme, and then we've done a couple of other live music nights. We just say, invite your friends. Good coffee, because Costa provide it. Good food, they provide it. And they, they love us there because we turn up and we kind of fill out the place and we play good music and the, the staff think, think they're awesome. They think, who are these musicians? Who are all these people? And say, we're from a church. And they just love having us around. So these have been awesome. The next one is on the 4th of July, which is a Friday. Um, talk to Dave here for more info on that. And you'll hear some of our musicians in a non-Sunday kind of Sunday concert. And some of them have got skills. Uh, when you let them out the bag and just say, hey, we just, you know, just play... 
It's amazing what comes out of the bag with them. Um, so get along to that, invite your friends, a great time. The next one, the Catalyst Festival. That is coming up, 24th, 27th of May. We're part of a um, wider group of churches called Catalyst. We have a festival uh, that we run over the bank holiday weekend. Last year, there was over 3,000 people or so there. This year, last I've heard, there was 3,500 booked in already down at the agricultural ground in Stoneley, not too far from here. Um, and it's basically a great weekend where we camp, uh, they've got meetings on for the kids, the young people, the adults, great times of worship, teaching, seminars, also times to hang out. We want to do this really well as a church. We had about 50 there last year. We've got about 50 booked in this year. We've, got, um, we've hired a big marquee that's better than the one we had last year. Do you know the one we had last year? It's a little bit ropey in the middle where it leaked a bit. We've got a, big, a bigger, better one. We've brought in some people that we know from other churches who are going to cook for us. We're going to provide you all the food. We've got tables and chairs and everything. So all you need to do is book in, get a tent, get there. We will feed you. Uh, and we'll fight. And it's going to be an awesome time. You're going to meet God. I don't know what it is about the nature and character of God, but it seems when you, when you take people away out of their environment, out of their day-to-day life, out of their normal thing, and go somewhere else, God seems to do things in a more profound way. And I, I, I can't argue that for Bible. I can only argue it from experience of having going on these things since I was a you know, teenager child. I went in various forms, different camps. But it seems when people go away and you, you're there together, which is an interesting thing because we won't be able to leave each other because our tents are going to be close and we're going to be camping in the same area. So we won't be able to get away from it. We're going to be around each other the whole time. And when you have that argument with your nearest and dearest in a tent, everyone's going to hear because canvas, canvas is just rubbish. At, at stopping sound. So when you're like, I can't believe you said that, you've got to keep the noise down or everyone will be hearing. But that's fine, because that's community. That's loving and serving and being honest and being real. We are real life church with one another. But it's a fantastic time. So if you haven't thought about booking in, get in, booked in now. Let me know. We'll feed you. Um, come and have a great time. Those who are booked in, it's going to be an awesome uh, weekend away. I think you've got to take... I think you can get away with not taking any holiday and, or maybe one day and you get the, the full weekend if you're a kind of a 9 to 5 Friday, Monday to Friday worker. So it's a great opportunity. More information, just come and chat with me about that. Catalyst Festival. Brilliant. The next one, the Great Midlands Fun Run, which is on June the 1st with the T-shirts. Someone wave a T-shirt at me. Who's got a T-shirt? The T-shirts are here today. Thank you. I modelled it last year. I look great. Um, if you are a runner, I've got a whole box of T-shirts there. They're all labelled up. Come and grab your T-shirt. Uh, from me. What we're going to do is last year we put a team in for the church. We ran for a local charity, uh, not ourselves, a local charity called Homestart, which Wendy here volunteers for. They're a charity that help um, kind of young families get going and deal with life and everything that's thrown in there. And we raised some money for them. We said we want to raise money, for, not for us. We want to just bless someone else. We picked this charity. We're running again for them this year. Uh, we raised about £1,000 last year. I'd love us to do the same again this year. We got t-shirts for the runners and they're garishly orange so we will be seen. And they've got the logo of Homesite on the front. We've got the church one on the back with our web address. And we just get to join with 7,000 people who are running the fun run. Uh, it runs right out here, the road, in the, from the middle of town, around the park, and then back to town again. Um, and we're just going to have a great time. We won't be meeting at church on that Sunday because we can't, because we can't even get the cars in here because they close all the roads. So we're going to go out there and uh, just be known, be seen, be part of the community and enjoy raising money for someone else. In the afternoon, after the fun run, we gather 
in Paul and Catherine's home, we're going to have a barbecue and hang out, celebrate those who managed to make it around the course and just have a little bit of um, fun together. The one thing I'd say to you guys, if, if you would see your way to sponsor some of the runners, please do that. If you go on our website, you can follow a link to our giving page. I'd love us to be able to raise more than we did last year. We've got a, just shy of £1,000 last year. It'd be great. So if you are running, please tap up your colleagues, your friends, your um, family. If you aren't running, I'd appreciate you sponsoring us as the runners. Just make a contribution. It would be fantastic. All the money goes to Home Start and the good work they're doing. So that's the, um, the, uh, the Great Midlands Fun Run. Just so you're aware, the Catalyst Festival and the Great Midlands Fun Run are following weekends. Catalyst Festival is the 27th, 24th, 27th, and the Great Fun Run is Great Midlands Fun Run is the 1st of June. So there are two Sundays in a row that we actually won't meet because one week we'll all be camping over there and there'll be no one here, and the second one we can't get in here, so we're going to be out running instead. Um, so they're just so that that's how it works. So get involved in the Catalyst Festival, be with us, come and support us in the Great Midlands Fun Run, um, and just cheer us on. That would be excellent too. Number eight, Alpha Course. We're praying and we're looking and working towards running an Alpha course in September. Alpha course is a national initiative. It's a course that came out of a church in London. It's gone global. It's just an easy, accessible way for people to explore the Christian faith and ask questions. Uh, Melanie, uh, my wife, who was on staff at our previous church and evangelist, has had huge amounts of experience with Alpha and huge amounts of success running for young people and adults. And we're in faith that God is going to give us a course. We're going to have people. So I'd love you just to be putting that in your prayers. Take this home, uh, stick it on the fridge, stick it in your Bible, and use it as something to fuel your prayers as we move through the year. Um, and in September, we're looking to run an Alpha course. So start thinking now. Who could I invite? Is there anyone God's putting in my heart? Anyone coming into my life? If you'd like to be involved actually on the course, running it, serving, uh, cooking, whatever happens, please grab Melanie and say, put my name down. I want to, I'd like to be involved. So I'd love to hear from you. Um, and we did that. And it was going to coincide with September with the national campaign. I don't know if you notice, every September they run a kind of out of um, the sort of the, where it started in London. They run this national campaign of billboards and and stuff, and we're just going to coincide and slipstream that, dovetail that with many other churches around the country doing the same thing, and hopefully God will use that for his glory. It's one thing we'll be praying into into our prayer meeting. Next one, our website. Our website is doing all right, but it's, it's, in, it's tired and it needs an upgrade. I've, I've seen the first build of the new one. It's coming. Um, when we have more to show you, I will let you know. We've kind of upgraded it and made it a bit more flash and cool. And you know, you've got to upgrade your website every three years, or it starts to look very dated. And I, one of my bugbears is bad church websites. It's just it's, when people find us, the first thing they say, "How do you find us?" Well, we looked on the internet. So we want to have a good web-based presence that doesn't turn people off. Look around the room. We're all cool, aren't we? So we need a website that's equally that reflects us. Is that fair? Is that fair? Why are you laughing? Is that, good? Is that a good laugh or a bad laugh? <laughs> so that's what we're doing. So I'll let you know more about that as, kind of, as the time comes. But I've, we're getting there. Just got to iron out some content and it'll be able to run live. Number 10. Now, number 10 is the one, if you haven't seen this before, thinking, what on earth does that mean? Um, let me explain. We've been meeting here a little while. Uh, it's the Council Run Youth Centre. And we, one of the things we're talking about as leaders, thinking, how can we just bless where we are. We hire this venue we, on a Sunday, so we pay for that. But we want to be just a positive influence. And if you've been in those toilets out there, the ladies and the gentlemen, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all I can say. I really am sorry. They are, they are manging. Uh, 
So they are terrible. So we came out and said we would love to maybe offer the, the, the youth centre to pay to refurb them. So we would love to just pay to refurb them. We get to use them on Sunday, but throughout the rest of the week, staff, kids who use this place, get to use them. and it'll be, They need upgrading, but it would just be something we could just positively bless them. So, well done. However, because of the nature, if you've been following the local paper with the council and they've got to cut their budgets, the future of this building and many council buildings is uncertain at the moment, which again is something for your prayers. If they're starting to, having to get rid of property, sell off property, I know a church would like to buy a building and maybe have it. So, I'm just saying that's on hold for now because we just literally don't know what they're, what they're going to do with this place and it's no good us paying to refurb something and then they sell it and knock it down in a year's time. So please just put that in your prayers. We, we don't make commitments, but we wanted to do that, but it's now suddenly, let's just put that on hold and be wise. And so we're waiting to see. So if you just could pray to that and say, God, guide us what you want to do. We'd love to be a positive influence and we thought that would be a really good thing, but we don't want to be uh, silly with it. So I just commit that to you for prayer. Number 11, serve the poor. We have uh, been giving since January to a local food bank. The URC Church in town run a food bank and we just thought, why not just get on behind what they're doing? So we contacted them and said, could we contribute food to your food bank? They pulled our arms off and said, please do that. And so every week we have our, um, our bin out here that if you want to uh, contribute uh, anything to the food bank, we send out on our weekly email um, sort of a, the list of things thereafter. If you don't get that email, give me your email address. I'll sign you up, make sure you get it. Um, and so we've been giving it every week. And Mel and I have actually both been staggered with the response. So I want to say a huge thank you to you for your contributions. It's been brilliant. You never know when you start something how it's going to continue. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you go, hey, and then it goes, Phew. you get a good start, and then it all kind of tails off but we've been regularly taking food to them. What we usually do is we collect it every week and then when we go and pray there once a month, we just take it all and leave and say, this is what we've kind of contributed. And they have been, they have been overwhelmed with our response. We keep getting emails saying, thank you so much for the contribution of Real Life Church. So I'm passing on that thanks to you guys. Thank you, we want to keep doing it. So if you find you know, in, your ex, in your shop, weekly, monthly, you want to put an extra couple of cans in of something and contribute that, there are people in this town who, who don't have what we have. And so that goes out and blesses them. If you want to know more about the food bank and how it works, talk to Melanie because she's been involved with liaising with the URC church. So I'm thrilled that we're kind of having a tangible expression to serving those in need. Um, we're hoping that God will bring more along our way as we grow and multiply. This won't be it, but there'll be more. But that's where we are at the moment. Last one. Multiply life group. As a church, we've got three life groups. We encourage every member of the church, anyone who comes to us, to be connected into a life group. We appreciate sometimes attending life group can be difficult midweek, uh, babysitting issues, work can be tough, etc., etc. But to be connected to one and make some kind of yes, I, I can get there when I can is vitally important. We believe it's important because it's actually the place we care for you. It's a place we care for you. It's a place where you can go and be known. And if there are things going on in your life that you need help with, you need prayer for, you need practical serving, that's where it's going to happen. That's where it can be talked about and things can be worked out. So we encourage everyone to get connected into a life group um, as much as they can um, and be there and be known there and be committed there and get to know others and be knitted in to the life of the church. Because the reality is Sunday morning doesn't cut it. I mean, it's good on a Sunday morning. We try and make you feel welcome. We serve you drinks and we, we say it's okay and we teach you what the Bible says and we pray together and we worship together, which is good. But I remember reading a survey when um, 
was in my previous church and our pastoral elder there said that he, they'd done a survey and he said, in any size church, what happens? He says, I think it's after the, after the first four weeks you're fine, but after four weeks, anyone joining a new church will start to feel lonely and left out if they're not connected to a smaller environment where they can get to know people. Because the Sunday is not geared for that. Our small group midweek meetings are geared for that. And so we're saying, get in them, otherwise the, the, the trajectory will be, you, you might like it, but then over time it will tail off and you will feel isolated from people because there's no environment for you to connect and get to know each other. And we've set up our small group, Ryan, for that purpose, so you can connect and get to know people and go a bit deeper. Sunday's great, but it, it can only stay at a level. You can't actually push any deeper and really talk about how you're doing, what's going on. And our plan this week is to hopefully multiply um, a life group. Um, uh, sorry, not this week, this year. Is to make sure push us out to, to four life groups, which will mean raising up leaders. It'll mean adding people in, getting them knitted in, getting them connected, and, and moving our groups to four, creating space for more people to come in in the future. So that's where we're heading. I'm just going to throw this out there because we said it at the beginning of the year. Part of my prayer is actually, as God is calling us, is actually to maybe expand out of Sutton Coalfield. We've got groups currently that serve Sutton Coalfield very well, but we've had an increasing number of people being drawn from the north of us, the towns of the north, particularly Tamworth. Um, it's something we're praying about. Do we need to start something out there to serve those people? Because for them, travelling into Sutton midweek is extremely difficult, problematic. So actually, is that what God's calling us to do? There are logistical problems for that, leaders. And, but that's what's on our agenda. So that's kind of what we're praying for. All right, there's 12 steps. Let's stop and worship here. God has called us to be a large, influential, reproducing church. I'm convinced of that. And we're trying to make steps along the way to help us, but the reality is we can't do, none of it's ever going to happen unless God, by his spirit, works. He needs willing servants, he uses them, but actually it's all about God, and so we're going to worship now, and I want us as a church to put our eyes on Jesus. We can thank God for what he's done, we can look to the future and say, God, fulfill your promises, but ultimately it all comes back to him. It all comes back to him, it's all about him, it's all about putting our praise and our eyes on him. Amen?